He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. This is John Katsimatidis. You're right, Lydia. You see, we're running late today, and uh, uh, this is the number one show at 5 o'clock. This is a, a TriCast broadcasting on the WABC 77 studios, and we're also on <coughs> AM 970 The Answer and WLIR, and we have an ecumenical uh, studio today. We have a Common Sense Democrat. We have Richard Weinberg. Two common sense Republicans, well, maybe one and a half. Uh, and uh, we have uh, a de- former deputy mayor, uh, Rudy uh, Washington, might be related, might be related <laughs> to George Washington, but he's in the darker side of the family. Uh, and uh, we have uh, Chief, Chief, uh, uh, we call you Chief. How are you, Tony John? Carbonetti? I can't hear anything. I not... can't hear anything either. No. I-, I can hear. Uh oh. Yeah, it's all you. Uh-oh. And my your sidekick, Lydia Serrani. Lydia, did you have a good day? We ha- I had a busy day, but we have had a fantastic show. We are going to have Gordon Chang, and of course, he'll be talking about <laughs> China. We will have a General Jack Keane, the latest on Ukraine. Congressman Tom Swazi, who is running for New York governor. Jonathan Lipman, but first on the line, we have Michael Goodwin. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning writer for the New York Post and just an all-around great guy with common sense. Hello, Michael Goodwin. We love your latest column. Leftist anti-police policies have led to a startling number of black and Latino crime victims. Oh, thank you, Lydia. And hello to everybody in the studio. Uh, yes, this is uh, it's just look, I think for those of us who were in New York during the, both the horrible days, the good days and now the sliding backwards days. Uh, this is not a secret. But what happened here was that. Uh, mm-hmm. Fox News reporters were able to get out of the FBI statistics exactly how many black additional murders there were in 2020 compared to the previous decade. So there was an an average over the 10 years, and they found that the 2020 totals exceeded that average by 43 percent. And when you do the math, it works out to a little over 3,000 additional murders of black Americans in 2020 over what one might have expected had the average simply been maintained. And those of us in New York, we saw the same thing. There were a couple of hundred additional murders, I think 140 one year, 150 another in 2020 and 2021 over what had been the total in 2019, just by way of comparison. So New York was a slice of those numbers. Most of those murdered in New York uh, every year are non-white. And so New York was part of this pattern that was a national pattern, and it really showed that the progressive policies of trying to defund the police, the politics of people like Bill de Blasio handcuffing the police, the prosecutors not wanting to prosecute, uh, letting people out of jail, out of prisons, all of that has come home to roost, and guess what? The real victims are the very people the progressives said they were trying to help. The non-whites suffered more crime and more murders uh, because of these policies. 
We've been talking about this over and over. John Katzmatidis, this has kind of been your rally cry about. Well, we, we, we've been saying that. Yes, You're right. And, yes. and the police commissioner, right on a five o'clock show, she said to us, there's a, and, and, and along with uh, the chief of uh, detectives, uh, detectives uh, Essex, Essex. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 3,000 violent criminals in this city. If those 3,000 violent criminals were not on the streets in New York, and they commit over 90, 95% of the crimes, if they were at Rikers Island, New York City would be safe again. But nobody wants to do anything about it. These, these senators in Albany and these assembly people in Albany, well, they have police protection. Who knows what they have, but they don't want to do anything about it. Yeah, Judge pro- Weinberg? Uh, Michael, it's Richard Weinberg. I have, to, I have to tell you, they keep saying... Both Hasty and Stuart Cousins, the leaders of the legislature, keep saying, show us the data, show us the data, show us the data. The data is right before their eyes. Dead bodies. It's bodies. It's there. It's there. Just read the articles in the papers day after day. See what's reported on the news, radio, and television. The statistics are there. When are they going to act to do something? Well, Well, let's ask Deputy Mayor uh, Rudy Washington. In the black community, you're black. In the black community, what are they saying? Well, I don't know anybody who thinks this is a good idea, Um, this uh, bail bill. Um, You know, as I was talking to Tony, my, my colleague, old colleague, you know, I think there's something else afoot here. I, I believe that the closing of Rikers Island and the no bail are, are linked together. Um, basically, if you don't put anybody in jail, you don't need Rikers. Then you get to close Rikers, and then we begin to see what the real play is. I think I'm beginning to smell corruption. You can't be this stupid. You know, really, mm. I, I hate to use that word, but you can't. Uh, if you don't. Mm. lock up and incarcerate violent people, guess what's going to happen? Yeah, You're going to have crime. Well, what, you know, Michael, what do you think? I, I think the connection to Rikers is, is a real one. I think it's a good point that uh, Rudy is making, that one of the arguments, I mean, de Blasio, even before the pandemic, was trying to empty Rikers, I think, to make his five community jails more appealing. He was trying to win the argument by emptying Rikers and saying, we don't need this big monstrosity. It's so expensive. It would cost us gazillions of dollars to renovate it. Let's let's start from scratch with nice little local jails where people can have nice scenery and sort of not be separated from the and community. And wanted to spend $9 billion. Well, and that was just the starting price tag, right? Mm. This is government work. Uh, nine <laughs> would be cheap by the time it got finished. But look, I, I, I think that there is a a progressive mentality that thinks and that argues, and it's largely whites that that argue that that the black community is oppressed by the police. And they look at the black community and they say, you must hate the police as much as more than I do. Let's work together and let's get the police out of your neighborhoods. And let's let's let everybody in prison free because it's all just a misunderstanding. It's it's the root causes argument. Uh, You know, they, they they were white supremacy throughout our society. Therefore, how can we possibly 
hold young men, especially uh, in prison for arresting or violence. It's not their fault. Uh, I think I think this was the progressive movement writ large. And, you know, you see that these policies have hurt the very people they promised to help. But again, those of us who saw how New York changed, how how the prison population in New York declined during the 20 years of, of uh, Giuliani and Bloomberg because fewer people were committing crimes. And so, therefore, they didn't go to prison. So that was a, a really a side benefit from the saving of lives. You know, people didn't commit crimes because maybe they were afraid to carry their guns. They would get caught with the guns, and so they didn't carry the guns. Therefore, they didn't use the guns. Therefore, they didn't commit a crime. They didn't go to prison. The prison population fell. All of that is being undone. The, now it's like even if you commit the crime, we want to keep you out of prison. So, I mean, it's insane what the progressives did. A former chief of staff to Rudy Giuliani, uh, Tony Carbonetti, chief. It, what Michael just said is 100 percent true. Uh, he, you have to get back to most shootings in New York City take place because a situation arises gets out of control, someone happens to have their gun on them because there is no fear of carrying an illegal handgun anymore. You used to go to jail for it. Mm -hmm. There was a 94% chance you went to jail if you had an, were caught with an illegal handgun. It's now less than 10%, John. Is that where we are? Right. Right? It's mm -hmm, less than 10. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Listen, all I want to know is this lady was arguing to, with me uh, about two people got stuck in Rikers Island I said, stuck in Rikers Island. Meanwhile, 25 young kids, mm -hmm. you know, five years old. Kids are shooting each kids, other. Kids are dead. Wait, how do you recover from dead? You don't. Their kids are shooting each other because they're not afraid to take their gun out anymore. Because if an officer used to find you with a gun, Michael, you remember it. A year in jail, period. And that's laid at the feet, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The district attorneys. At, no, no. It's yeah. laid at, no, yeah. it's laid at the feet of the de Blasio administration withdrawing the appeal on that case against the NYPD in the city of New York on stop, inquire, and frisk. They could have won that case on appeal and still had the anti-crime units doing stop, inquire, and frisk. The recipe's there. Michael, you saw it work. Michael Goodwin, and then the recent example of LeVon Davis, the 32-year-old man who has 27 arrests under his belt. He was just sentenced to three years, and his sentence was commuted basically to nothing, and he was released on, what was it, monitoring? And then he went up on the Upper East Side, and he viciously attacked five people. One person, 65 years old, he's still in the hospital with serious head injuries. And it's a, it's a complicated issue. I think it's not just about the bail reform. It's not just about gun violence. It's about this whole kind of lax attitude we have towards crime in general. And the answer is not simply allowing people to just roam on the streets or live on the streets if you're homeless. You know, well, and and there's another, of course, not all these crimes are necessarily violent correct. in order for them to be yes. destructive. I mean, look at the right aids that have closed because of this shoplifting that's out of control. Again, the. DA doesn't want to prosecute, so the police don't make the arrest. 
because it's a waste of time for the cops. Why do they want to deal with the hassle? It takes them more time to fill out the paperwork than it does for the uh, the purpose back on the street. Uh, so it, there's a kind of trickle-down mentality here that nobody wants to take any kind of crime seriously. Nobody in the Democratic Party, nobody, none of the five uh, county prosecutors in the city, and, of course, the police then are left holding the bag. They, You know, uh, the new commissioner, I thought, made a very interesting argument when Alvin Bragg first put out his day one memo that he was going to not prosecute this, going to knock this down, not prosecute that. And she 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 did her own memo and she said, you know, uh, Mr. Bragg, the very things you're telling people you won't prosecute are some of the things that people, the citizens of New York call the police about the most. And so you're you're putting the police in an impossible situation. You're not going to prosecute it. And yet the public wants us to do something about it. And I think that's the kind of thing that no one uh, foresaw. Again, why they didn't foresee this is is just sort of incredible because it's so obvious that you if you start to undo this uh, this quality of life enforcement, the serious penalties enforcement. If you start to undo this thing without thinking through the whole system, you are going to get more crime. And that's what they got. They got more crime. Think of that. Think of policies that led to crime. I mean, that's almost unbelievably stupid. And yet it happened and it's still happening before our eyes. Well, so much crime. People are moving out of New York. So much crime. It's hurting our businesses. It's hurting all the drugstores. It's hurting people are not coming back from Florida. They're making New York a mess. And if Michael, you know, we only got a minute left. But if if we don't clean this up, if we don't clean clean up crime in the subways and in the streets, that this by this November, New York is in deep doo doo. Do you agree? I do, and and we should add that there's one further complicating fact, and that is that the COVID, the pandemic, uh, showed a lot of people they don't need to be in New York. Um, And I think that the remote work habit, uh, most people are not coming back to the office, or many people are not coming back to offices full time. And so this is another reason why you can leave New York and not necessarily lose your job. I mean, that's another impediment to the city's recovery. Yeah, but as corporations get tougher, I I would not allow that in my company. As corporations get tougher, it's going to roll back a little bit. I hope so, but but I think in the meantime, it's another weakness in the city that uh, is going to make a comeback harder. Yeah. Michael Goodman, thank you so much for uh, everything you do for our city, our country. God bless you, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you all. Thank you, Mike.